everybody and welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. It's Champions League final weekend. Liverpool and Real Madrid finally going to face off uh, for the trophy, a game we've been looking forward to for many weeks now. Uh, to look ahead to that game and also talk about some of the other top subjects in football from the past week, uh, I'm Aaron Flanagan and I'm joined by Conor Mummery. How, How are you doing, Aaron? I'm doing well, thank you. Yourself? Very good, thank you. Good, and uh, James Whaley. How are you? All good, pal, all good. Good stuff. I say a little bit later on this podcast, we're also going to hear from Mark Lawrenson, uh, obviously the Liverpool legend, who will speak to us about the Champions League final and Liverpool themselves. Don't but, you think they're going to win it by any chance? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but believe it or not, um, <laughs> there's a great little quote in there that you'll uh, that you'll hear where he does say um, um, that he well, basically admits that he's rubbish at predictions. Oh, um, so he kind of I, I don't ask him directly about his predictions, but he, he he um, he. Um, he I think I think he realises he's been getting some stick for them. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's coming up a, a little later on on this podcast. But we'll start on the Champions League final ourselves. Liverpool. I mean, let's start really basically. Can they do it, Real Madrid? Uh, I actually think they can. Yeah, I think you can't really count Liverpool out against anyone. <clears throat> they're, they're obviously up against a very good team and a team that knows how to get the job done in Europe. They've they've won it for the last two years, three out of the last four years. Um, and you know, even though they've had probably a bit of an underpass season this time around, they've still managed to find a way to to reach the final. But you know, the way Liverpool have sort of got there, um, the you know amazing first leg performances against um, against Porto, against Roma, and against Manchester City, Manchester before Roma, obviously. Um, you know, they've they've shown they can blow teams away. It doesn't matter who they are. And that front line, if they get off to a good start like they have in those three games, then there's every chance they can win, I think. That's, that's what I think they're going to have to do. I think they're going to have to try and blitz Real Madrid early on and hope there isn't enough time left for them to catch up. I mean, they've done it well over two legs against all those teams we've just mentioned. And this is, this is a one-off game, one-off final. So I think that's going to be their approach. Yeah, obviously, Jurgen Klopp's record in cup finals is not great. Um, we were saying just before we started this, he won his first one, the 2012 German Cup with Dortmund against Bayern Munich. And he's lost five major cup finals since. Will that be in the back of his mind? Will he maybe start thinking, "I need to step up a little bit more defensively to, you know, obviously stop his kind of rot in, in major games." Uh, um, I don't think he's going to change tack at all. To be honest, um, he touched touched on it with uh, in our exclusive interview uh, when uh, Robbie Fowler spoke to him for the paper, and you know he he said this final he's got a different feeling. I mean, he's very you know. Superstitious, not superstitious, like spiritual type thing. Um, he said he's got, got a feeling that this final is completely different. Said it feels like no other finals felt. And he said last time he uh, they had a final to prepare for the Europa League. He said they had a Premier League game a couple of days before. But he said, as I said, they've had a couple of weeks off this time. And he said uh, there's no excuses. I, I don't think he can avoid it being in the back of his head just because of the amount of people that are talking about it. You know, this is exactly what we're doing right now. Um, but I agree with Connor. There's no way that he's going to go in there with any other um, set of tactics other than to attack Real Madrid. Jurgen Klopp is very open in the fact that he doesn't really know any other way to play football, um, as has been shown since he arrived on Merseyside. And, you know, he's, he's got tools to, to go out and attack. And, you know, we've seen how amazing Mo has been all season. He's obviously going to be the key again. And if he turns up and plays, then there's no reason Liverpool can't win a sixth title. Yeah, um, looking forward, obviously, if Salah was to inspire Liverpool to win this, it scores the winning goal. Does that put him in pole position for Ballon d'Or now? I think literally about a month ago it was first mentioned, or maybe maybe more like two months ago, Salah in the Ballon d'Or race, and I think there were a few doubts kind of going, mm, maybe not yet, but I don't know, I'm, I'm starting to get the feeling that 
yeah, he, he, he can win that. He, yeah. I think the, the only thing, if, if Liverpool go on and win the Champions League, I think the only thing that could stop Salah winning the Ballon d'Or is Argentina winning the World Cup. And Messi then would, would probably claim it just because it'd be you know, the crown of his career. Maybe, maybe similar with Portugal, although Ronaldo's already won a major tournament. But I think, you know, if we're judging on, um, if we're judging the Ballon d'Or on this season alone, then I don't think he can look past that. Well, he's been amazing. No, he certainly has. Um, do you kind of suspect that he's going to be the main man of the final, or will Cristiano Ronaldo have um, more of a say? Because obviously, those for us, Ronaldo, every round that Real Madrid have come through, you look at the Juventus game, yeah. Ronaldo, main man. Uh, the semi final in Bayern, Ronaldo stands out again. You know, he, he just has a knack for being the main man when he needs to. Yeah, he seems to save it for the for the big games in the Champions League. Uh, didn't have much of a... I mean, he's scored a lot of goals in the group stage, but I mean, I, I watched him when Real Madrid uh, came to Wembley and plays Tottenham. He, he didn't have much of an impact on the game at all. He got a rebound at the end uh, to make it 3-1, but in the knockouts, they, they can rely on him. I mean, I think he's, he's scored in every game in the knockout round. Yeah. Uh, so, Certainly I mean, every tie. I, I'd count on him to do that, to do that again, to be honest, but... Uh, I mean, it's just going to be a case of uh, if Salah does it as well. There, there are games that, you know, I, I've watched games in La Liga this season, especially where he's been quite a peripheral figure, but never in a big game. He always turns up yeah. when it matters. Um, I'd be amazed if he doesn't have an impact on this final. I think it's quite admirable the way he's adapted his game this year. Um, he's sort of turned himself into that central striking goal poacher, whereas, you know, he's always been used to coming off either flank. Um, so I think there, there are certainly parallels between him and Salah in that you know they're they're natural natural wingers who have turned themselves into out and out strikers and it's going to be intriguing to see how they match up. Yeah, um, obviously the attack of Real Madrid, so you can't really have any doubts. You know that they can turn up for big matches. They always do. Uh, defensively, um, I say in the in the interview you alluded to there, Connor, where Robbie Fowler spoke to Jurgen Klopp, really in depth. I mean, if you've not seen it yet, please do read it. It's, it's fascinating. Some of the insight that we get. But they both talk about Real Madrid and beating Real Madrid and possible weak link. And one of the weak links, they say, is Marcello. The, obviously, the left-back, very attacking-based left-back, but, I mean, for me, arguably the best full-back in the world. And they're saying he's a potential weak link for him. I mean, I'm, I, I don't know about you guys, but I think I, I think I disagree with that one. Yeah, I, I don't see that at all, to be honest. I think I should say I think he's by far and away the best, best left-back in world football. Uh, I think he has been for a number of seasons. Um, He's going to be up against Salah, but I mean, he'll not be on his own. He's going to have a lot of help. I think Casemiro is going to going to be tasked with doing quite a, quite a job on Salah. I mean, he's going to have to if they're going to going to keep him at bay because it won't. You know, it's not just going to be Marcello because he's probably going to be at forty yards at the wing uh, most of the game. But um, no, I don't. I don't think he's that weakling to be honest. I mean, if Real Madrid doesn't really have one, do they? Yeah. I think he's probably probably more of a tactical aspect rather than personnel. Saying that Marcello is the weak link. I think if you delve further into that, it's probably just that, that left side where, because he's going to be playing so far up the pitch, that is an area where Liverpool can attack. Uh, Marcello, nothing wrong with him as a defender, I don't think, but he is obviously more of a more of an archetypal wing-back, but not necessarily playing in, in that system. No, you can say the same about Liverpool's defenders as well. I mean, Andy Robertson is a bit different because he's, he does seem to be very good at, good at the defensive side of the game, but Trent is another one who will be sort of looking to bomb on. Yeah, which will give Ronaldo space because he's going to have him on his side. He had a torrid time in the second leg, didn't he? Alexander yeah. Arnold yeah, against Roma. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a big night for him. Um, obviously, he's definitely good start. Isn't yeah, it? I, th- I think so. He's still a very young player, but you know, he's, the season he's had, he, he definitely deserves his spot, both in Kiev and at the World Cup. 
Yeah. I would say uh, a little earlier this week, I went to speak to Mark Lawrenson uh, about the Champions League final. Uh, he talks a fair bit about Trent Alexander-Arnold, so uh, here's, uh, here's everything that uh, Mark had to say ahead of the final. Mark Lawrenson, really appreciate you joining us on the, on the podcast. Uh, first of all, how are you? I am good. I'm in this place in, where are we? East London that I've never ever been to in my life. And when I pulled up, I kind of thought, is this really where this is happening? Obviously, yeah. Yeah, no, so I was walking around outside myself doing the same thing. Obviously, Can't be right. No real sign on the door. No, no. Anyway, we're here. Right, we it's are. It's great. Obviously, uh, thanks to Paddy Power for sorting this sure. out for us. Uh, we want to talk Champions League final. It's a very, very big week for Liverpool. Mm. Um, do you feel that Liverpool are going into this final as underdogs? For I mean, out of all the, the games building up to the final, Liverpool probably haven't been the underdogs. Is this kind of tables turned? Um, I think they were probably slight underdogs against City, maybe first leg um, yeah the tables turned a little bit I, listen you know to get to any final at any level you need a little bit of luck which they've had you need a good side as well you need goal scorers and, and they've kind of got all those kind of things so and I think apart from City the draws have been kind for them but that you know that's just not their problem you just deal with it when it happens I just, I just have a feel feeling with Liverpool at the moment that there's almost a little bit of kind of fate involved here where um things happen for a reason and I actually think they might go and win it yeah. well I mean obviously they've been very very positive yeah. in obviously the style of play but also yeah. it seems like team spirit yeah well, that's a big a thing um, I think uh, I know they've got a really really good dressing room really really good and that's like, that's, a, that's a massive thing as everyone knows they've got these three guys up front who I think is a three they're into better three in well European football so I can't think there'll be a better three in world football um, and they have a way of playing which you know the neutral loves etc and the manager basically has made every single player better when, and you know from your father and stuff it's that, that is if you can improve every single player and you've got some top players that's, that's a big thing to do yeah absolutely I mean did you ever imagine that obviously when Philip Coutinho left in January you mentioned the full oh. three that they could have ended up at that level and playing no. just as well as they are doing no because um, Firmino who was obviously Coutinho's big mate I, I kind of thought his performances he'll, they'll go on the way now because he's lost his mate and all that kind of Firmino I have to say has been almost as good as Salah since Coutinho left it's been amazing um, maybe it's just the fact that he probably thought that he was more of the main man since Coutinho left I'm not sure but he's, but he's been brilliant so you can't you know you can't kind of rave too much about the front three because they've just been fantastic but all three of them they have. Um, we mentioned the front three. Mm. Defence has obviously got a hell of a lot better for Liverpool, obviously, since January. Van Dijk's Van Dijk. come in. Uh, how impressed have you been with how they've kind of turned the tables? Because that was a major criticism of Liverpool in the first half of the season. Well, you know, there, yeah, of course it was. And there were other things like, uh, you know, I, I remember speaking to a couple of guys who'd, who'd seen Robertson play and they went, good going forward. And no one someone just said, oh, he's good going forward. They don't mention the fact they think probably he's not good defensively. He's been great. And then Trent Alexander Arnold's come in. Obviously, Klein's played maybe only one or two games anyway Gomez has played right back but Trent Alexander-Arnold obviously will play in the final as will Robertson so they are two massive bonuses I think also that Lovren has improved since Van Dijk's been there and I think Lovren now knows his first pick anyway in the Champions League so that helps and, and I have to give a big shout out really to the, to the three midfield players which have 
Oxlade-Chamberlain got injured, in, as we know, the other week. But Oxlade-Chamberlain, Milner and, and Henderson generally, and occasionally Wijnaldum and Chan have, have been great because... You know, they've got this front three that, are, as we say, is just you know absolutely top class. And But the three midfield players have really, really... I thought against Roma, that department was the best of all the departments in the two games of midfield players. No, I have to say, I completely agree, especially with Oxlade-Chamberlain. When he picked up the injury and then he went he's out for the World Cup, I mean, I'm, I'm not a Liverpool fan. No. Obviously, I was thinking Henderson, Oxlade-Chamberlain just had this connection. Yeah, yeah. They played no, they so did. well together and it was uh, yeah. a real shame well, that he's not, he's not going to the World Cup. And the other thing is, for the last three or four weeks... They've basically only had three midfield players available. That's been Milner, Henderson and um, Wijnaldum. So they've been down to the bare bones. I mean, I think he even started, uh, Klopp started um, Alexander-Arnold on the right of midfield in one game. They were that struggling for numbers. Yeah, no, it's good how versatile the squad is. Obviously, you've got players who can do that. And obviously, mm. Milner, can, Milner can play anywhere anyway. on the pitch. He's played up front for City. He's yeah. played full-back for Liverpool. Wing. He's, he's, yeah. uh, he, he, he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to 1984 final. I read a, um, an interesting story. You the other weren't day. born then, either were you? No, I wasn't. I wasn't quite. Um, Jeez. Yeah, no, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I read um, a great story the other day. Uh, Ian Rush saying about how you, you, you sang a song as you're, yeah. you're walking out. But um, whose idea was that? Was, was it just a predetermined thing? Just no. a bit of mind games? No, no, absolutely nothing organised about it whatsoever. What, what happened basically was that. Um, we got to the ground unbelievably early and most three quarters of the ground was full. Liverpool end, they were still out in the bars and the pubs and stuff. This was two hours before the game. We never got anywhere two hours before a game but because it was a final, we had to get there early because of the police. And Graham Sunes suddenly said, you know what, let's go walk around the pitch. Well, there was a kids game on the pitch where we got booed to death, as you can imagine, walking around there. But <clears throat> in those days, in the old stadium, well, it's, I know it's been kind of refurbed, but you used to go up in the corner to the dressing rooms and it literally was like Indian fire one after another because it was quite narrow. And as we, as we were kind of waiting, all of us to, to go up the steps and everything, somebody started singing this Chris Rea song, which was, I don't know what it is, but I love it. And that had kind of, we'd sung it throughout the year on occasions. I don't, don't know when, when we'd won somewhere, some trophy or whatever. And we sang it, uh, walked past Roma dressing room, up to our dressing room and all that kind of stuff. Never thought anything about it. And then when we won the penalties, Brucey spaghetti legs, all that kind of stuff, the Roman manager, a guy called Niels Liedholm, he was a Spanish, um, sorry, Swedish, he actually said in the press conference that he knew his team were in trouble, he said, because we heard this singing. He said, I'm giving this team talk to my team, and kind of last time I get them all together and talk and everything. Home team, expected to win. And he said, the sing got louder and louder and louder, and he said, I suddenly realised, oh my goodness, this is Liverpool players and he said as I realised my players realised and he said honestly they just went white because they were under enough pressure anyway because they expected to win at home and he said I knew we were struggling from that moment yeah no it's a phenomenal mind games the thing is what it's, it's, it's quite especially when they're not meant yeah yeah, yeah. No, and it's, it's a really upbeat song as well it wasn't like you were singing yeah. something to intimidate yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a dead happy yeah, song. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. but no it's great um, mind games these days I don't I don't know whether you agree with this but I kind of feel that there's not so much mind games in Premier League football anymore. Anyway. No. Maybe a, I think the last that we saw was probably the old United Arsenal rivalry, yes. and it's not doesn't really happen at kind of that, that scale anymore. Or, or do, do you think maybe we just don't um, see? No, no. But listen, because we know absolutely everything about football now, don't we? We know the whole. You know, ta everyone knows about tactics, the nth degree. But no, I think you're right. But I mean, you know, I think Liverpool were really clever at that. They'd. They would always, you know, if we won kind of 4-0 on a Saturday, we'd be off Sunday coming Monday morning and 
as soon as we were about to go and do our five-a-side and warm-up, and Ronnie Moran would just say, you know, you see the team you played on Saturday, they won't win in the Zingari League. Well, the Zingari League, for people who don't know, is just like a local amateur league in Liverpool. So what they were saying is, you know, everyone's raving about you winning 4-0, but that team you played, well, uh, they said, they, you know, they wanted to win in the Zingari League, as in they were really bad. So we always, we were always kind of knocked down all the time that was just the way that it was you know you've won nothing yet and all those kind of stuff and it worked it, you know I remember <clears throat> we played I think it was uh, Luton at home we won 5-0 Rushy scored all five Ian Rush Monday morning in training his second kick just completely miskicked it and Ronnie Moran just shouted out same player as Saturday and basically what he was saying is well you know you might have been brilliant on Saturday but at the moment you're crap yeah. And that's just the way. That's how, that's what they did. Yeah, no, fascinating. Did, did you feel that Jurgen Klopp does anything like that? Does he keep him grounded? Like, because yeah. I mean, Klopp. I mean, it takes a lot to get him angry in any kind of press conferences, anywhere where you're kind of front facing. But um, did you think he's, he's he's very firm with him on the on the training ground? Yeah, I think Klopp. I think you know, massive respect for him because I think Klopp gets everything. He gets the history. He gets you know the cop. He gets the supporters, and and that all even gets the old players as well. You know the former players, which a lot of the previous managers have never really got, and he kind of, he's like that's all. You know, he embraces all that stuff. I think he's very bright. I think he's extremely bright. They tell me sometimes he come in half time two nil up, and he goes mad. Coming half time like one nil down, and he's like, "We're brilliant boys. We're absolutely brilliant." So he's such. I think he's such an outstanding communicator. I think that's that's the thing with him, and I think that he celebrates when they win. And he gives it to them when they lose, which is probably just about right. Yeah, I remember when he when he first came over. I think there was a, I think it was West Brom. Was Liverpool drew. I know what you're going to say. Got a draw, and obviously got all the players in front of the crowd and the big celebration. And I remember watching it first. I'm thinking, this is really bizarre, really bizarre. It was a little too over the top. I felt for for what it was, yeah. but it actually felt like a turning point. Yeah, a turning point for mentality, a turning point for. Yeah, just the way that Liverpool were going to approach things from there onwards. And you know, I did it. He did it to convince the crowd because he kept he kept seeing loads of people leave five minutes before the end. And he, so that's when he did that. And he turned around and he just said, "Look," he said, "If if we can't convince these people that we're not capable of scoring in the last five minutes, what's the point?" And that's what he was saying. He said, "So now my team have to convince that we're going to keep scoring and scoring and scoring." And, and it's worked, isn't it? Yeah, no, worked an absolute treat. Hmm. Um, obviously, you're a defender yourself. Um, Liverpool's defence, well, we know we've briefly talked about it earlier. Hmm. Um, one of the surprise stand-up performances we've mentioned already is Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, he's got the unenviable task in this Champions League final of, I mean, depending on how Real Madrid line up, probably going to come up against Cristiano Ronaldo. Against Ronnie. Um, what Possibly. sort of a task is this for? Uh, for a young man like like Trent. well, you know, to be fair to him, he's, every obstacle has been chucked in his place. He's, he's managed to clear it. He's, it. He wasn't great the last month of the season. It wasn't especially against Roma, where though he didn't have much protection. He wasn't great that day. But you know, he's he's just he's just improved. Just keeps improving, improving, improving. I think you know, there's, there's, I don't necessarily think Ronnie will be. I think Ronnie will be more down the middle, to be honest with you, as much as anything. But. Um, Alexander Arnold's quick, uh, which means he's quick on recovery. If he does make a mistake, I think he's now started to really get into the you know how you play right back. Uh, he's made the position his own. I don't I don't really see him being phased whatsoever. He's just kind of one of those lads, and I think you know. Um, 
about 18 months ago, they were on about all these young kids coming through at, at Liverpool, and you're always a bit sceptical because you kind of go, you know, Woodburn scores against Leeds in the League Cup, and they're like, oh, he's going to be this, he's going to do that, and he's going to do that. And he's probably struggled a little bit. He's not been anywhere near the first team. And when you looked at all of them, you kind of thought this lad was going to be the best of the bunch, and, he, and it's turned out that way. He's played right hand side of midfield a few times. Klopp loves him. You know, and he just, you know, you saw what he, did you see how he dealt with him in terms of being called up for England? Uh, no, no, no. I didn't see that. Well, the squad came out the other day, didn't it? Yep. And they were going to, I think Liverpool were going to Marbella for some warm weather training and all that kind of stuff. And I, he walked across the apron with him to get the plane, and, and Klopp just said to him, uh, You got a holiday planned? And he went, um, No, boss, I'm not, not really kind of thought about it. He said, So, like, you know, after the Champions League, you're just going to do whatever in all your time off. He went, yeah, yeah. And he just went, you're not. I said, what? You're in the England squad. So that's, you know, that's kind of clock. That's a little bit of an insight yeah. to that's the way. And then he gave him a great big hug and said, go on, you deserve it. You'll be great. Oh, man, I tell you, weird place to find out on, 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 the, on the airport. Uh, yeah, as well. that's on the great. apron. Apron, that, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, full, fully well deserved by Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, it? yeah. I think there's a lot of people at the moment who would even have him in the starting eleven. Uh, with England, given how uncertain a lot of the uh, the defenders maybe have, have been for England. Yeah, I think it might be a bit. I think I'd have Walker still, but you know, I mean, listen, just just to get in is great. But I'd have taken Sessegnon as well from Fulham because he's going to be a real player. And I just think you can take the odd couple of kids like that, and that, I mean, they'll be so much the better for experience. But I think Liverpool, I think, Liverpool, I think England will be all right. Gareth Southgate, I like what he's trying to do. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. I'm, uh, I'm quietly optimistic. But yeah. I'm, I'm like that before every World Cup, and it normally. Yeah, but in, they're in quietly optimistic, as in I think they'll play well. But they, if they do really well, they might go out in the quarters or something. But yeah, yeah I think, I think the, draw, right. the draw gets difficult. But yeah, but it gets very like difficult. Point. It's called the Germans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say back to Liverpool. Mm. Um, mentioned obviously Trent Alexander-Arnold, uh, Dejan Lovren. He's, he's a player who's really impressed me uh, recently. Um, I think a lot of the credit for Liverpool's turnaround defensively has gone to Van Dijk. Yeah. But um, would you give it well, as as kind of turn the corner? Yeah, I think I think, but I think I may be totally wrong. Um, but I think Lovren's probably played in nearly every Champions League game, and I think that's the other thing about the manager is that if you've looked at all the Champions League teams, apart from when they were already five 0 up against Porto and played him in the return leg, Klopp has always played his strongest team, and, and Lovren's always been in it. And you know, Klopp. I mean, it's, it's really clever insofar as he bought Van Dijk. We know he's a top, top player. And, you know, Lovren now, I kind of think when he played with Matip, it was as though Lovren was in charge but didn't want to be. Whereas now I think Van Dijk's in charge and Lovren really likes that. He can just play players, players game. And some, some players are like that. Some players, you know, your John Terry's and your Adams of this world and Roy Keane's, they can help themselves play, but they can help you, they can help me. Others can just look after themselves. And I think that's the way that Lovren is, which is um, maybe playing with Matic was just a bit too much for him. You'll, you'll never ever know, but at least he's playing well now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, last thing on the Champions League final. Uh, Klopp has been to a Champions League final before. He's mm. been to a lot of major finals mm. and not been the most successful no. in major finals. And he's never won, yeah. Um, does that concern you in no. any way or, or, or do, you, do you think he's a winning mentality? Yeah, well, I flip it round because I think in every one of those finals they've never been favourites, anywhere near favourites to win. So um, I think the, that was the achievement in itself. Look, you know, if, if Liverpool... If, if Madrid beat Liverpool... People still turn around and go, oh, they go back club, he's never won in the final. But the achievement for Liverpool 
has been to get to the final. If you, if you said in January, two minutes after Coutinho signed for Barcelona, that Liverpool would get through to the Champions League final, they'd have carried you away. The blokes in the white coats would have carried you away. No, you wouldn't have got a bet, you wouldn't have got a prayer or anything. So they've come a long, long way. But I'm a little bit with this, which is, I do, I do think fate plays a massive part and they've had a little bit of luck in different games and I just feel come Saturday it might be the same. Yeah, no, fingers crossed. Are you, mm. are you willing to give a big prediction? I'm, I'm open to predictions. Everyone, but I think I think Liverpool are going to get get through by hook or by crook. I just sometimes I think it's almost as a player that you know you're going to win. It's just a strange thing. Yeah. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very no worries, much, boss. Mark Lawrence, and they're joining us on the Mirror Football Podcast. Yeah, big, all right. Yeah, so big thank you as well to Paddy Power for sorting out that interview for us. Uh, massively appreciated. Uh, some decent insight there. Now, uh, moving on from the Champions League final, it's not the only major football news we've had this week. Just when we thought that the season was pretty much gone, uh, Arsenal kind of rushed through their uh, appointment of the new manager. They didn't have a choice, did they, after he did it himself? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they, they kind of... Uh, well, I mean, the, the inside story, I think, from Unai Emery, from what I can gather, is why they, they announced it then is because he's flying out to the Champions League final on Thursday, so today as we're recording, and he basically, part of his agreement with Arsenal was, well, if we're doing it, we need to do it before uh, before I go there, which is why it just kind of was rushed out, and I assume that's where there was maybe a, com- a confusion with the, the timings of him changing his uh, his website. But um, it's it's pretty Arsenal, isn't it? Yeah, though it's kind of yeah, screwing yeah. up their own <laughs> screwing up their own announcement. Yeah. Uh, I was sat in work here at like half ten on uh, on Monday night or whatever, and it was Monday night was it Tuesday night? Monday night, wasn't it? I think. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, one of the nights, I was what day is it? Was it? No, it, 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 one of the nights, cruising to the finish, nice and quiet, and then obviously, I mean, he changes his website. Yeah. yeah. Cheers, Unai. Great yeah. start, mate. Um, you, know, you get get me on your good side. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, Unai Emery uh, appointed as a manager, but then for so long it seemed like it was going to be Mikel Arteta. Mm. Um, do you think this is a case of Arsenal bottling bottling Arteta, just kind of not uh, having the guts to to kind of make a stand? I think bottling's possibly harsh. They do seem to have gone for the safe option. Um, I mean, he's been consistent wherever he's gone, hasn't he? He has won, he has won things. Got a lot more experience. Well, he's actually got experience, whereas Arteta hasn't. Um, Arteta would have been a bit of a gamble, but I do feel like that's what Arsenal needed right now. Um, Aubameyang said himself that they've stagnated for a few years. Uh, I can't really see Emery bringing in drastic changes and that changing much, because they've got a lot to do to sort of get back in with the get back in touch with the top four even yeah. um, I mean I was going to say it feels like to me with Arsenal that a lot of the changes are actually going to happen away from the first team manager I, this Sven Mislintat's come in mm. he's clearly going to have a big say in everything that the club does going forward but he's only been there I think what six months or so mm. now this is his first major summer and I think this summer's possibly going to be more about him than maybe the first team manager yeah it doesn't seem like Emery's going to have much much say in transfers obviously yeah. they'll run things by him and whatever but they've very much brought him in they've made a point of bringing him in in a head coach role as opposed to a manager role so yeah. I think change. that's obviously a, yeah, a massive change isn't it from Arsene Wenger who basically did everything from making a team washing the kits to yeah. signing players you know they, they've now got a man in who is a lot more in the sort of 21st century mould of a head coach we don't have many managers in inverted commas anymore and yeah, I think that's probably what Arsenal needed, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, uh, from Emery's point of view, he has worked in them systems before. I say at PSG, they very much had directors of football, um, and at Sevilla as well. It was only at Valencia before that where uh, he was known as a bit of a, a wheeler and dealer, but I mean, he's no need for that because there's people doing the transfers for him. 
Um, Arteta, anyway, go say going back to him. Um, did he, he, I get the feeling that he is going to be a manager of the future. He really wanted that job by the sounds of it. Obviously, it was slight just overlooked to the last minute, but. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm pretty disappointed that we're not gonna we're not gonna see what he's got. Yeah, I mean, indications from City seem to suggest that when Pep does call it a day, which obviously won't be for a while, because you sign a new deal, that if Mikel hangs around, then he'll be the man that they sort of task with moving it forward. Yeah. Um, but obviously, he did, he did seem like he was up for the job. Obviously, he you know, he spoke to him. He went for the interview and stuff, but chose to go another way. Yeah, I think it would have been. A hell of a lot more interesting, wouldn't it, if they'd yeah, point Arteta? Because he's, you know, he's a complete unknown. But if you speak to people within the game, they all speak very highly of him. And you know, it does seem he seems destined to go on and being a top manager. Obviously, City have, as Connor alluded to, is he's, he's sort of in their minds, he's the heir apparent to Pep. But you know, I don't know if Mikel Arteta is going to want to wait. Or I was going to want to wait around for him for three years. And to get that job, so saying that, I don't think Emery's a bad appointment. It's just we, we kind of know what he's about, don't we? In, in yeah. the last sort of six or seven years, he's really established himself. Um, obviously, successive Europa League triumphs with Sevilla, and you know I think those that sort of maybe don't look into it as far in depth as we do, that he'll be mostly remembered for that drubbing by Barcelona in the second leg of that famous Champions League tie. But yeah. you know that is a that's a blot on his copybook rather than. Yeah. His copybook as a whole, which is is pretty exemplary, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the only thing for me that I see with uh, Emery that concerned me, he, he said in his press conference yesterday, or, or it might have been some other quotes which have come out since he's taken the job, says he's going to bring back passion, uh, you know, and they're going to get everyone to work hard. I don't think I, I don't think I saw that in his PSG team though. Like this season, I think uh, this PSG team has been a little bit more about kind of in-house squabbles between obviously like Neymar and Cavani and. I don't know. I don't know whether he's just kind of he, he didn't have any of that with PSG, and I don't know whether that might maybe be a concern. I think, for Arsenal. I think the personnel has a lot to do with that as well, doesn't it? You know, PSG is a team of superstars thrown together. Whereas yeah. I think at Arsenal there are a few I've players there. <laughs> there are there are a few <laughs> players there who genuinely care, aren't they? Yeah. As we understand it, Jack Wilsh is probably going to sign a new deal. The likes of Aaron Ramsey, who's, who's been there a while. I think he has got players who can sort of roll their sleeves up and get stuck in and. You know, hopefully, hopefully bring a bit of um, bit of happiness back to the Emirates. It's been a pretty dismal place to be for the last decade or so. Yeah. So I was at the game against City, um, where just after the Capital One Cup final, where obviously they got beat three yeah. 0 again, and they were, I mean, just I'll be honest, it was quite entertaining how miserable the Emirates was, yeah. kind of being in that environment because it was just. It was not a top six Premier League ground. Yeah. Um, in, in the slightest. But there were still sixty thousand people there. It doesn't matter what your eyes told yeah. you. Though. Oh yeah, exactly. There were there were definitely sixty thousand people there. <laughs> they seem to enjoy Wally a bit though, don't they? I think it's going to be a bit of a culture shock. I don't know yeah. that, how they're going to react if it does go well. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Actually, that's that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. They, they've, it's what bit, it's what bit... a tie in the lads going to talk yeah. about? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Claude. Yeah. Well, I mean, like even when Arsenal have been winning FA Cups in recent years. They still, they still, they still regularly turn it on the head as like, well, it's only the FA Cup. Don't they? they don't see it as we've won this great trophy. Yeah. They, uh, I don't know. I think it will be really interesting to see what happens at Arsenal. Um, be very interesting to see what happens if they remain in sixth place and mm-hmm. stick around there because obviously that's a failure for a club like Arsenal. But um, would it maybe be proof that Wenger was, you know, doing an all right job and maybe he has been he doing wasn't. an all right job, hasn't he? But. I, I, oh, it's, 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 no, it's, we're going to have to see what they what they do with this squad, aren't we? Because 
I mean, obviously they've been given. He's been given fifty million. Well, Sven Mislintat has been given fifty million, uh, and they need quite quite the overhaul. So I mean, if they're going to do that, they're going to have to sell a few players. Yeah. So fifty million pounds is not a lot of money. It's really not. No, it's one. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'd love fifty million. Yeah. <laughs> don't, well, yeah. don't get me wrong, but but I mean, that's one top quality player nowadays, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you look at look at them and rate their chances of challenging for a place in the top four again, they probably need a new back line, new keeper. I think Czech's probably passed, passed his best, but he's just been given the number one shirt, so yeah, it doesn't yeah. look like yeah. they're thinking of bringing another one in. But midfield as well, I mean, it looks like Wilshire's going to sign a new deal. Ramsey's the one, really, isn't he? Yeah. He won their player of the year again. Yeah. Um, it sounds like Ryan Giggs at Wales really wants Ramsey to stick around on the Emery. He's already Giggs has already come out and said and said very much that he thinks Ramsey would improve under Emery. So maybe Ryan Giggs would have a say yeah. in maybe convincing I, Ramsey. I think to, a lot to of players probably will. To be honest, like Bayerin. I mean, a few years ago he was one of the best up and coming fullbacks in the country, wasn't he? And he's stagnated under Wenger a bit. Yeah, yeah. No, I think they all probably got a little bit too comfortable, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. They all yeah. obviously love Wenger, and probably part of the reason for that is he got something of an easy ride, especially yeah. Mesut Mesut Ozil. He's going to have a shock. Yeah. yeah, no, no, yeah, I would say Ozil is, uh, I'll be honest, he's been a bit of a disgrace a lot of the time. He has the one in. When, when, when you're a lot of that ability to only do it one in what five games, that, 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 that is a disgrace. And if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd, I'd be so angry, so angry with him. Thankfully, I'm not an Arsenal fan. I don't have to go through yeah. the misery that they go through. The frustrating thing is, in, in certain games, he does occasionally show what he can do. Um, you know, and there are Ozil stands who will say, you know, he had a great game when he went just went missing for an hour like he does. Yeah. But I think you can almost guarantee he's gonna have a brilliant World Cup. He, he, yeah. he always turns he it on. Yeah, he does. Yeah. International football as well, he's always slightly slower pace. Yeah. I mean I don't think it'll be that warm in Russia, so maybe it might pick up on you know a bit again, but I think the international game definitely definitely suits him as Ozil as well. Maybe he could be one that Unai Emery sells. To be fair, you know, if if if, if oh well, obviously he's not Unai Emery, you don't get a say. Not only is he disgrace, I'm out selling him. He's been Arsenal fans shouting. No, I'm I'm, I'm I'm just thinking like obviously they need they need to generate money for this big squad overhaul. But I think if, it if does, he has a good World Cup, they, they could make best part of hundred million quid off him, and then when you've got hundred and fifty million quid to spend. Yeah. Arsenal can probably get that squad over. If, if it does go well, I think Ozil's the type of player that will play well if, if things are you know merry and they're winning yeah. games. I think that's when he needs to roll his sleeves up. And, you know, yeah. that's when you don't see the best the best of him. But obviously, yeah. you know, with Germany, they win nine times out of ten. So yeah, yeah. Um, early predictions for Arsenal next season. Then where, where, where are they going to finish in the Premier League? Are they uh, going to get back into the top four? Or no chance. Absolutely no chance. Nope. No, no, just of course just, they're not. I, I, <laughs> it says the Tottenham fan. I, I, I think <laughs> says the person which is football. Yeah, I, I don't think they will, but I think they'll challenge. Yeah, you know, this season they were nowhere near. I think I think they'll be right back in there. They'll minutes. probably be closer, yeah. But yeah, I just uh, you know what? What do they finish in the end outside the top four? Over ten points. Yeah, yeah. ten, eleven points at least. It's a lot. There's a lot needs to happen for them to make that yeah. up. Yeah. Um, and I don't see Liverpool or Spurs or United falling off that much yeah. I mean I think Chelsea will get better as well yeah, yeah. absolutely I think Chelsea have had the worst season that they've had in ages Still finished above that, that can't happen again so yeah no, so uh, not much hope of Arsenal getting in the top four then I don't think so no. small I, steps I, though isn't it like, yeah. how, how many years will Liverpool yeah, out of yeah. the top four yeah. and you know fast forward to their first season back in the Champions League and they're, they're on the cusp of a six European Cup the so. top, top four is a big ask but I expect them to challenge for the Europa League and be right there 
at the end of it again, like they were this season, especially with Emery and his pedigree. Yeah, no, definitely got a cup pedigree. Um, right, moving on from Unai Emery, there is one more big football match taking place this weekend. Um, well, I think you find there's three, Aaron. Well, <laughs> the, 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 there's three, but one especially big one, simply because of the, the money on the line. Oh, I know everyone bleats on about it being called, is it called the billion pound game or uh, so, something like that. 14 zillion pound game, I think it is. Yeah, it's definitely not a billion. Well, that's a lot of money, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's, that's way too much money. It's the richest it? game in football, let's put it that way. The club, richest is, club yeah. game in football. It is. It certainly is. Billion pounds um, a lot. Yeah, uh, two former Premier League teams bidding to get back to the top flight, Fulham and Aston Villa. Um, Waylo, you probably watch more Championship than any of us. Uh, how do you see uh, this one going, obviously? Fulham had a great season, didn't quite go up in the end. Yeah, I think for for quite a few reasons, for me, it's basically a flip of a coin. I think Fulham are probably the better side, as borne out by their league position. They, they ran Cardiff incredibly close to join Wolves in that second automatic promotion spot. Indeed if they'd have um, if they'd have beaten Birmingham on the final day when they slipped up they would have they would have picked Cardiff who were only true against Reading. Um, so you know there's always that sort of nagging feeling when a team misses out so narrowly. We saw it a couple of years ago with Brighton when they missed out on the final day and then crashed out in the semi finals. Um, and that looked like it could happen with Fulham this year when they lost the first leg against Derby but they were tremendous in the second leg completely pl- played Derby off the park. Uh, Ryan Sessegnon, who was quiet in the first leg, had a couple of quiet games towards the end of the season as well. He showed up and, and showed why he was a Championship Player of the Year. Showed why there were people calling for him to be in the England squad even at, at the age of just 17 at the time. I think he just turned 18 last week. Um, but yeah, so I think Fulham are probably the better side. But with Villa, you know, I think Steve Bruce just knows what he's doing, doesn't he, in, in these sorts of games. We saw it a couple of years ago with Hull. Um, he's got more promotions from the Championship to the Premier League than any manager in history. Uh, and I think Villa have just had a, a really steady, solid season. They're difficult to beat, and um, yeah, I'm, I can't wait for the game. To be honest, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game just as much as I am the Champions League final on Saturday. I think it should be an absolute cracker. Yeah, no, definitely should be. Uh, little word on John Terry as well. Obviously, he's dropped down to the Championship this season uh, after. I mean, it looked like he was probably going to go abroad. Made quite, I think it was quite a bold decision to to stay in England to go to the Championship and kind of keep on going at that level almost back in the Premier League almost done what he, he set out to do but I mean obviously there was a story um, this week saying that he, he was at first not willing to play against Chelsea if they came back up um, which uh, we believe has been a decision which has been reversed but um, is, is he still good enough for, for the Premier League or? well I mean he's, he's arguably the best defender in the Championship this season so if, if this was any other player that had been one of the best defenders in the Championship would be saying, yeah, of course he can have a go in the Premier League. So, look, I think, say what you want about John Terry, it's pretty admirable what he's done this season at Villa. Um, he, he could have very easily gone to China or, or the US and earned, earned probably more money. Um, but I think there's still that desire and hunger inside him to win things and to be part of meaningful football matches, which is which is why he joined Villa, another, another really big club. Um, and you know his performances throughout the season have been incredible. When he was, uh, when he had a, a little spell out injured, which is always going to happen with someone of his age that's played the amount of games he has. I think he had sort of six weeks on the sideline, and Villa were hopeless. Um, you know they were knocking on the door of the top two, and they fell away. And, and since he came back, they turned it around again, and that's no that's no coincidence. Um, so he's, he's going to be absolutely key for Villa uh, at the weekend, and he'll be uh, hoping to clamber those Wembley steps without. Having not played and putting his shin pads on and <laughs> lifting the trophy. Um, do you reckon if it goes to a penalty shootout, 
bear in mind what happened obviously in that <laughs> yeah. very famous penalty shootout ten years ago this week yeah. Yeah. oh is it that is yeah. so yeah. on the old man's are good <laughs> <laughs> do, do you reckon he puts his do you reckon he puts his hand up yeah I think so and, 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 and do you reckon his teammates actually go yeah yeah, yeah. you're, you're, you're yeah. definitely a man for the job yeah. here so or, he, or scored, he, scored a, he scored a penalty for England in the World Cup in 2006 did he I think in the, in the or maybe I might have got that wrong I remember Owen Hargreaves scored yeah I mean I might have got that wrong but anyway you know he, the experience he's got the type of character he is I'm not that weird he'd stick his hand up and, and his teammates would probably push him forward as well you know you need players who are going to keep a calm in those situations and I think the experiences that John Terry's had with Chelsea um, both both Chelsea and England um, should stand him in good stead for that but you know I genuinely hope it doesn't come to that I think for a team to be able to promote on penalties is always a bit of a shame um, apart from when Huddersfield beat Sheffield United in hilarious fashion <laughs> years ago. But, I thought it was only the keeper put it under the bar. Yeah, but um, no, I, yeah, I genuinely hope that someone settles it, if not in 90 minutes, then in extra time. Yeah, well, what the odds do you reckon if uh, Phil do go up, uh, John Terry cries? Because he, cry, he cries at everything. <laughs> yeah, he's a cry, doesn't he? It, it's, tell you what, it'd be interesting to see what happens if, if Phil don't go up, actually. I think that's when you might see the John Terry. Day, oh, yeah, we'll go and earn a lot of money for a year. He could probably could yeah. probably go and do a season and a half because obviously he'd be maybe yeah. halfway through the season there yeah. MLS. Just go and do that, take it yeah, off. Yeah, take the missus to California or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if you saw that LA Galaxy video doing the rounds just of them trying to play out from the back this week. Yeah. No, no. I could do with a bit of <laughs> extra help in defence. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, that would probably put him off for life. So <laughs> But yeah, uh, there are other, obviously some other couple of playoff games uh, that we'll just touch on very, very quickly. Uh, Rotherham against Shrewsbury um, in the League One playoff final. Shout out to Shrewsbury! What a season they've had! Incredible season, and and a mention for their boss as well, Paul Hurst, um, young manager, done an incredible job. Um, if Shrewsbury don't go up, fully expect to see him in the Championship next year with someone else. Yeah, no, he's certainly done well. Um, they're a second trip to Wembley for them this season as well. I mean, if you're a Shrewsbury fan, you're, uh, you're loving life. Hopefully it won't be too and bad. And also, also Rotherham as well, to be fair. They, they were hopeless last year in the Championship. Um, credit to the board for sticking with Paul Warren, who was basically their fitness coach, having played for the club. And uh, yeah, again, you know, two, two absolutely incredible jobs by two young managers both actually teammates at Rotherham back in the day as well so yeah that'll be an intriguing match as well no, definitely will be and then on Bank Holiday Monday it's Coventry against Exeter in the League 2 playoff final uh, and, and another word on Coventry they've, they've turned it around I mean I, I think a lot of Coventry fans will have gone down to League 2 thinking we need to go up automatically they've not but they've actually steadied the ship it seems uh, they've got you know a decent team out a good cup run in the yeah. FA Cup and then they seem to be the icing on the cake on the season Although they've dropped since the fourth division, you know, looking from the outside, this seems to have been probably the most enjoyable season for Coventry fans for a long time. You know, they've obviously had so many problems having to watch on a hill at Northampton and all that. And you know, from a from the romantics point of view, I suppose it's pretty nice to see them see them back in big games. And I think they're taking over forty thousand fans to Wembley as well for that game, which is incredible for the fourth division. But you know, they won't have it easy. Exeter, have, they're there on merit. They lost the playoff final last year to Blackpool, so uh, they'll be they'll be just as desperate to get up as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so that's what we've got to look forward to this weekend. Obviously, the Champions League final is is the highlight and we're very, very much looking forward to that. Uh, next week's podcast, uh, we'll be uh, looking back at the Champions League final, probably looking back at the Championship playoff final and some tears from John Terry. That will do us this week on the Mirror Football Podcast. Anyway, uh, if you don't subscribe to us already, you can get us on iTunes, Spotify and Acast. 
uh, and on all web platforms you can give us a nice five star rating as well if you so please uh, but yeah we will be back next week and uh, in the meantime enjoy the, the weekend's football and we will see you then